Welcome to Equal Time Soccer. We are back with head coach Sheila McGill from the University of St. Thomas. I'm Matt Pabratsky here to get things going. D1 Women's <laughs> Soccer is back, baby. I can almost yeah. can't believe games are this Thursday. Sheila, I don't know if it's the same experience for you. For me, the gap seems like it lasts forever, but then as soon as camp hits, you're in it and it's a sprint. And somehow I'm surprised every August when it comes back. You've been doing this a little bit. You've coached a few seasons yourself. Yeah, one does, or two. does it jump up? Does it jump up on you? Like, what is what do these falls feel like for you when camp opens? Yeah, I think. I mean, it always sneaks up on us. I also, it's it's here, and I think that that the true indicator is when they're kind of all done with their summer teams. That we're like, okay, that means that's us. Like, we're the next one, like, <laughs> right? So get our stuff in gear and make sure we're ready to go. So um, from that side of it too, it does always kind of surprise us. I think the more interesting part for us as well is we almost have five weeks before school even starts. Um, so right. that's a big, long amount of time to have preseason and have it be with like little to no one else on campus, um, other sports moving after us. So all of it is it's it's kind of nice for them because they get steps. First, we're the only ones for one week and then, you know, more teams right. move in, but then we're just athletics on campus and and then it slowly kind of builds for them so they kind of become almost like a sophomore by the time they actually the rest of the population shows up well and even just the demands on their time it's like you almost not to phrase it in like an extreme way but you almost get sort of total control or like soccer can be sort of the thing yeah it's because once once because once classes start you're just you're in it man like these players are in it you're in it like it's full chaos town like yeah. i i always have to remind myself every time the classes start again that it's sometimes there'll be games where players seem like a little bit scattered or i'm like oh man they really had trouble like clicking in and then sometimes i'll remember i'm like wait was this class week this was class week they like <laughs> They're, they're human beings who just added a second full-time job. Yes, okay. and all of, a, all of a sudden you add the second full-time job and, and they kind of all just go, wait, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you, you mentioned the idea of summer, like that transition from summer into fall and just, you know, the players have this transition of maybe they play a summer league, maybe they do whatever, either here or in their home state, whatever. But during that transition period, you mentioned that sort of gap of like this breather or, you know, the, the gap between the summer and the fall you had a nice little fun project of your own of some coaching changes happen. So you had, you brought on some new staff, yeah. um, which is uh, always sort of, I'm sure a mixture of like stress and excitement of like, who do we find? How will they fit? Who's the right. whatever. And so if, uh, if folks haven't, you know, been following the St. Thomas uh, soccer website as in much detail as me, and they, they haven't met these folks yet. Uh, why don't you give us a rundown of uh, who the staff is for 2023? Yeah. So uh, Vicki Vargas is a, my assistant. She's been with me now, I think, five years. Um, she played for me. She knows St. Thomas super well. Um, she knows my mind, which is a little scary. Um, but at the same time, like we, we find ourselves making the right. same coaching points in the same moment. So from that side of it, she's she knows kind of what I've been looking for and how to coach that, right. that style as well. So that's been awesome. Um, this year, we added uh, Danielle Mendez as our other full-time assistant coach. Um, she's great. She's a goalkeeper coach and field player coach, um, doing a ton of work behind the scenes as well. Super excited, such good, positive energy, um, such great, like laughter. And that's something that we really pride ourselves on is it's yes, we want to coach and we want to be strong, but we also want to have fun while we do it. So that's a really important dynamic for us as well. And then I was excited as well to also be able to, um, have Julie Lundquist, uh, come back. Um, she coached with me, I think it was six years um, and now she's back and able to work with the team and just so excited to have her back on staff. Um, again, she knows the heart of what we do and the heart of, um, of how we do it. And I think that that's where she can bring real value with individual um, players, but as well um, on the field, she has the knowledge to be able to share it. And she gives really insightful moments um, to the team in the, um, so that they can really like appreciate what they're doing, but also like a better understanding of it from a different dynamic. So it's really, it's been really great to have her. It was such an easy add back into our team um, that just made me be like, yes, (laughs) super excited to have her. Well, and I think, I think people, there's, there's a number of things about the, you know, the women's college game that I think people maybe don't fully appreciate. And we try to remind folks and just repeat it all the time. I think you know, coaching staff turnover obviously creates a level of sort of nervousness or headache for you logistically of just like having to hire and 
the whole whatever. And it means you have to, in some ways, start over. So it creates some work and all these things. But I do think in a, in a general broad sense, I think staff moving on says something about like one at the most baseline, like you had someone who was good that want someone else wanted. Somebody else wanted, they're picking them off. <laughs> it, it's, and I think in general, you know, maybe head coaches don't like to hear this, but like assistant coaches in the college soccer game, it's unfortunate. You do kind of have to hop. Like you do sometimes have to hop in order to like, you know, progress through your career. Well, I think and and Campy, who is here, she got a great opportunity. I mean, really great yeah, opportunity yeah. at Gulf Coast. I mean, like it's one yeah. of those things where you're just like, yeah, okay. <laughs> I guess yeah. that makes sense. Good. Congratulations. Right. But I, it's interesting because we recruit players that fit our mm-hmm. culture, that fit who we are. And we have relationships with them that last a year, two years sometimes. And when you're trying to find a new coach sometimes and it's short notice, you're really wanting to make sure that you get the right fit for your culture, but you right. didn't have the two years of recruiting. So <laughs> you really need to get to know them well uh, quickly, or you already know of them. And I think that that's one of right. the things that's been great for our staff is I already know Dan- knew Danielle. I already knew Jules. Right. I already knew them both to be like, yeah, that's an easy fit for our culture. So that's really a, right. was a really comforting place to be and finding somebody new as well. Yeah. Well, and you never, the thing that you can't control is like the time frame stuff. Like you said, like if you, if you lose an assistant coach in the summer, even late summer or midsummer, then you're going to be all right. Look, look forward to this sprint. I guess we're on the run. So it is, it is, uh, it is interesting. And I think um, it'll be fun to see how they settle into those roles. And obviously uh, Vicky uh, for folks who maybe aren't following also recently got uh, a nice side gig as the director of coaching at uh, Blackhawks, which is a St. A St. Paul club. So I, I sort of joked, she's like queen of St. Paul now, two big time capital city uh, soccer gigs, which is fun yes. uh, for I'm you. Not, I'm not ignoring. Uh, my players just said that they're locked out of the building. <laughs> this is for those, for those who don't know, this is the, the full on chaos vibe. Uh, we'll have three different segments. They're going to be coming in. We're going to be doing some musical chairs. So the players will be taking over <laughs> Sheila's spot. So I might, so I might walk and talk. And I'll <laughs> look at this. We can look at us walking. Get a tour. Here's this our is, building. This is great. This, this is impromptu stuff. You know, equal times vibes. We want. I this. do. I like. I like the new paint. Hey, let's job. just That's say this. Cool. Let's just say roll times. Roll times, baby. Roll times. Let's go. I love it. This yeah. is so well. Well, Sheila is on the walk. She's going to let the players in. Um, and you know, I think I'm curious from your perspective, Sheila. You know, you've now you've now we're gonna get them in this is an early preview look we're getting an early early look <laughs> we, we're not gonna bring you in early ellie we you wait your turn this is sheila's turn the and so uh coach i am curious you know you've been at st thomas for a long time you've coached you know you've been in multiple roles you've been there a long time you've been with the university and with the program but it's always fun to check in with you just because you're also going through a process that's uh, just never happened before. So there's, there's never been a D3 program that goes D1 in, in American NCAA athletics. And so you, every time we check in with you, I always feel like there's sort of a new level Mm -hmm. of perspective you've gained or a new thing that's been going on. So for for you, as we come into camp number three of the D3 era of the D1 era, Mm -hmm. what are some of those things that have sort of, um, you know, things that still continue to be new for you or stuff that you've learned even after going through those first two seasons? Yeah, I think that one of the biggest things in particular is like the growth of the program is happening so fast that all mm-hmm. of a sudden players are coming in. The depth of our bench is so much more fun, right? It's it's just, it's yeah. the, it just makes it harder and harder, which means that it, the player mm-hmm. management is going to be a challenge. And I think that that's always something that you want to keep people happy. But at the same time, when the margins of why one person's playing over another might be smaller than it has been in the past, you have to be a little bit more honest with that. And I think that that's mm-hmm. going to be our challenge this season is like in the years, let's say our first year, we could say a lot more of like, hey, it's okay. Like, let's just... Like work right. hard, we've got this, you know, and now we get to be a little bit more direct. And I think that that's a really good right. thing um, in the build and how we want to build it and making sure that people are on the same page. And those, it's not just right. the players that are, are um, having the moments. It's also mm-hmm. how they play with the person next to them and how they can create and how they defend and how they work together. And so those are all the things that we now 
get to kind of look at in that sense as well. Mm-hmm. But then on top of it too, it's fun to like now kind of set our mind in a, in a certain direction and be like, okay, right. now we want to achieve things. Now we want to get things done during the season. Like, are we right. ready to play? Are we ready to do this? Are we ready for the summit league to start? You know, mm-hmm. where are the places that we think like we can improve within the program as well. So there's a lot of right. new goals that we have for ourselves too. I think, and I can definitely speak when you talk to the, the added depth, I can, you know, I, I wasn't able to watch every single game the last few years, just cause there's competing stuff. And, sure. but I was covering, I was covering enough that then seeing this year's camp in particular, I want to call out the purple white game. So you had a couple exhibitions against Waldorf and Turbo mm-hmm. and then did a purple white game, sort of a self scrimmage. Um, and Brid- Bridget, who's going to be doing our game day coverage for St. Thomas this year. And I were sitting there. And I said to her, um, I sort of like the game, like, you know, purple had the better run of play, whatever you could say, whatever you want about like the score or whatever. Yeah. But I did, you did see, I was kind of like, wow, these teams are actually like pretty solid. I mean, I think people don't appreciate that by the time you're going full sided and subs, you're talking about getting 30 players deep. Like you're getting like 28 players deep, like so you're getting to the very quote unquote, like bottom of the rotation. And it yeah. still was like really good run of play, really you know, like did, did purple have the better at moments? Sure. And then like, but white had these long balls where like, t- you know, Tatum had all these, all these opportunities where she's still shaking off some rush. She's going through yeah. that recovery, but even seeing her on the ball a ton, it's like, this is a player where, you know, you're coming back from that many, any injuries and she's just getting these reps. It's like, Hey, get yeah. this rust out now. Like, you know, yeah. get, get the touches. And I am curious too, you mentioned the growth happening so fast. I think we probably don't appreciate, even when I first got to see your offices and like see the paint and the whatever. And um, <laughs> for folks who have followed my mega thread about, you know, the softball facilities will eventually move. That will mm-hmm. eventually at least create the opportunity for, you know, purpose-built soccer stuff, yeah. um, which is super rad. If I win the Powerball, you know, I'm happy to be the prime donor. But We will, the, we will appreciate your donation. Thank you. You'll, ex- <laughs> you'll accept the millions of dollars. Yeah. But, yeah. And so- but I am curious, there's so much about these programs that either we aren't able to cover or we don't show or like, you know, the weight room, the student housing, the meals, the travel, there's there's so much that you have to put into this as a staff, mm-hmm. as a whole. What are some of those things that you all have been able to develop or mature or progress that maybe we don't see it on Gabe Nay, And so maybe yeah. I don't tweet about it. We don't post about it. But what's some stuff you've been proud about growing out, whether it's academic support staff or road trip planning or what, what's some of the stuff you've been able to growth has been amazing. Um, with it, I think we went from like a 40 something department to like 120 or something. I mean, it's, it's absolutely astounding when you really think about the amount of growth that's happened and that support, you know, we, we look at it and each year it just gets better and better. And so that's the really fun part about it. Where like now there's more marketing people in place. Now there's more um, of like social media people in place. There's new people that are going to be writing the articles, like all of those pieces, like we had parts at each year, you know, but now it's grown into like this full, um, this full system. So I think that that's been really fun to see. The second piece of it as well is like, we did something different our very first year uh, at D1. We had the entire team move into one dorm, one space. They have buddies. They have to room with upperclassmen. They have to get to know each Mm -hmm. other for two weeks. And one of the reasons we did it the first time was because we had our half of a D3 team and half of a D1 team. And we wanted them to learn how to come together and how to find value in each other. Um, and right. realize that like the younger players might have one value or one thing that they could do well, but the upperclassmen had these other things that they did really well. And so they learned how to come together. We've decided right. to keep that because it was really good. And huh. so the team really loves that. So like today was move out day after two yeah. weeks. Together. And so it's, it's so fun to see how fast they come together in those moments. But we also like the behind the scenes, like we do a ton of team chemistry things and we make right. activities so that they don't just go back and hang out in the dorm. Those being said, you know, we right. also now have strength, a strength and conditioning coach um, that's been with us yep. for the last couple of years now. We have, um, you know, uh, the academic support person. We have our own, like our own trainer who's doing part more and more like part of who we are instead of just like me doing the warm up right. every time, like he'll do that kind of stuff. So there's lots of different dynamics that have now just been added into it. And I think brings such right. value with different personalities and different ways that, that, that it all comes together. Yeah. And I, well, I love that. And I think the, the brick by brick nature of it, um, 
I have an awareness of like the St. Thomas institutional move just from like my previous day job of like getting to hear the, the murmurs of like, well, this facility stuff now that obviously there's been so many announcements. Yeah. And this new facility goes. is going to be so huge for, for women's soccer. I mean, it's, it's going to totally. be huge for everybody, but the fact that it's going to have, how is all of our, from like our nutrition stations to our weightlifting yeah. stations, to training rooms, to locker rooms, meeting rooms, it's just going to be great. So I think that it really, right. it's really fun to see the development of all of it. And it's all happening. You know, we kind of joke sometimes, but truly we're building the plane as we're flying it. You know, it's really yeah. fun to see yeah. it. And it's so, it's so fun to see like the development of what that looks like. And then also have that vision of what it's going to be like in another two years. Right, right. Well, in the, the last one we'll get out of out of you, Sheila, will will allow you to uh, give us the degree of bulletin board material we need on this. So for folks <laughs> who didn't see that the Summit League coaches poll came out today. Um, I didn't even see it yet. <laughs> oh, this is great. We're breaking it. We're yeah, breaking, breaking it. news. <laughs> so so uh, so for those who didn't see uh, about a week ago or 10 days ago, uh, Chris Henderson, who does the yeah. Woso Independent stuff, he's one of the only um folks who does national uh, college soccer coverage. So, you know, it's like him doing national stuff, me doing Minnesota stuff. I think there's maybe like three other non-students who cover the game at all. And so <laughs> I follow his stuff quite a bit. He does decent data work, decent uh, analytical work. His model actually slotted St. Thomas at third in the Summit League. And that's 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 really cool. That's That'd be a fantastic year. I think no one with the, the Tommy program would be upset if they slot in third <laughs> after the regular season. Today, the coaches poll came out, a slightly different uh, material, going to be some good, good bulletin board material for the Tommies. Picked eighth out of nine teams, so second to last. Okay. Um, so slight, slightly different uh, projections and polls from those two different systems. But for you, Sheila, obviously we've mentioned many times that you all can't make the NCAA tournament. There's a little bit of a quirkiness where that means you're not in the Summit League tournament, even though... St. Thomas basketball teams playing the Summit League. So I'm, I'm working to get some direct from on the record answers from the Summit League. But even though you can't make technically make the conference tournament, so top six doesn't matter, doesn't matter to you, whatever. Yeah. How do you it take is. how how do you even take those those coaches post things or projections, any of those things? How do you process those as a staff or a team? Do you just say, ignore it? Do you let them have a little bit of motivation, but not a ton? Like, how do you how do you grapple with it? Yeah, I think, I mean, I look at some of that stuff and, and I like to use it as motivation, one. Yeah. Um, I think that that's a really good way, um, whether it's the positive one that says we're going to finish third or whether it's one that says we're going to finish eighth and let right. that be motivation in itself for the team and for all of us. The second piece of it, though, is sometimes I look at those and I just go, well, that's kind of the ranking of what happened last year. And they just kind of sometimes re-put it the exact way that they had it last year. And no one rocks the boat. It's not that big coaches, of a deal. Not really co coaches, polls, coaches polls can tend to be that way. Well, and they always do it in the middle of preseason. So then it's kind of that <laughs> lazy moment, too, where you're like, wait, who finished what? Well, yeah. fine, fine. You know, like, right. <laughs> but at the same time, it's still, I mean, you right. try to put some thought into it, but it's what it is. So I think that, that right. that's one one piece of it though but i think that the motivation of this team it's it's a pride thing and it's what they want to try right. and show what they can do and yeah we want to right. be top six like that's that's our goal for this year is to be in the top half of the conference and i think right. we were close enough in enough games that that's another place that we can be i think that we had a rough second half of our season um within the summit league um, but at the same time, like it didn't mean we weren't still battling. We were just off by little pieces. And so with the depth right. of what we have happening and what what's moving forward as well, I think that that really gives us that opportunity to have things that we can strive for, that we can fight for. Um, and I think it's a good place for us to be. So I, right. I, I don't mind being the underdog. Um, we were we've been the top dog for a long, long time in D3. And so being the underdog, there's a lot less pressure and we just get after it. You know, so I think that that's the challenge is we know what, what it needs to happen and we know how to get there. It's right. just going to take hard work and it's a good place to be. Right. Well, and I think pe people, you know, we've only equal time has only covered the Summit League for for a little while. We're not experts or anything, but I do think we try to remind folks, you know, the the summit league has a big middle class. I mean, like you, you traditionally have your, your couple teams at the top whom, who maybe are always up there, you know, maybe, maybe you always see the SDSUs and the Denver's up top, but once you get beyond that and even at the top, I mean, games are always sort of in play. I mean, like mm -hmm. game some summit league is nuts, man. Like we're going to get into it with some of these players. Like 
these road trips are crazy. You go on the road and play in Omaha, it's like barf, man. No one wants to make that trip. Like except you, for maybe Ellie. <laughs> right, we'll we'll get to it. <laughs> like you don't you don't want to go in and play like ten ten players in the box and they're just parking the bus and they're not fun to play, man. Like <laughs> SDSU doesn't want to go there. Denver doesn't want to go there. Like no one wants to play that game. It's like it's like a Concacaf game. It's like oh great, I have to go on the road to freaking wherever. It's like yeah. they're all tough. They're all tough. <laughs> well, c- well, c- coach, I don't know where the players are hiding, uh, but we I'll can bring them. in. Let's bring in um, our next two, the Tempero and Caballero. Are, yeah, I don't know where they midfield. just to. <laughs> They're somewhere in the this this live. On I don't want to yell at them. That's like my mom voice. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're almost giving like a Letterman man on the street. I like this. This is yeah. I don't know where, where are you guys. <laughs> when did you guys come on over? <laughs> They're coming. Let's do it. I like it. Well, and for the while while uh, head coach Sheila McGill is walking, I'll I'll remind folks St. Thomas opens up their season uh, 4 p.m. on Thursday against University of Northern Iowa, a a familiar foe, a team that uh, St. Thomas has matched up against before. Should be a really good opening matchup. Should be something where St. Thomas is able to get some get some reps in. I think it'll be a pretty fun one. So folks could go that. If people want to get nuts, they could do the double header. They could do St. Thomas at four and go to the U of M at six. And you could get real crazy. That is an option. Uh, let's see. Here we go. I am going to update this display name while we're live on the show. Yes, jump in. Thank you. Take care. Thanks so much, coach. Ellie and Soph, make sure I spelled your names correctly. Did I? Did I? Yes. yes. Okay. Ready. Ready to rip. I love it. Well, here we go. We got Ellie Tempero. We got Sophia Caballero. Uh, what I would deem to be two members of the three-headed monster of the the St. Thomas midfield. Cameron Rintoul, Cam already got her own show, so we we're not bringing her back. She doesn't need extra love. You two, you two need some shine, and so uh, you two are uh, part of that monster, monster junior class for St. Thomas. So you were the first incoming uh, D one recruiting group. I'm curious for you two, what was the first time that you actually heard from St. Thomas, and uh, when did they when they actually got on your radar as recruits? Um, just me from living in Minnesota, I grew up in Maple Grove. I always kind of knew about them. My mom actually graduated from St. Thomas, so they were always kind of on my radar. And then, um, probably early in high school, I heard about the news that they were possibly going to go D1. And that was definitely something that I was like, okay, I'm going to look into that. So, um, I think Sheila saw me at a few games, um, when I played for MTA a few showcases and um, we just started the conversation there and then came on campus, um, did the, played at a camp. And then from there decided it was the right place for me. How about you, Ellie? Yeah, my story is pretty similar to Soph. I mean, coming from Omaha, I have um, a lot of family in Minnesota. My mom grew up here. And so I was always coming up here on vacations and visiting family and I really wanted to be in Minnesota. So when I heard the news that St. Thomas was moving D1, that was a huge draw for me. And I got seen at Showcase and came to a camp. And then, yeah, the rest is basically history. Mm-hmm. When, you were, when you were getting down to it, and obviously, uh, you know, you chose St. Thomas. We don't need to be too glowing, you know, about, oh, they're so great. We chose them. Let's get, we're going to get fully objective. Back to early days. You hadn't decided yet. You're in the throes of recruiting. You're get you're getting your offers. You're getting your calls and emails. What were the other spots you were thinking about? Was it other Midwest stuff, or like what was the sort of um, what was your mindset in terms of the type of college you wanted to be at, the type of program you wanted to be at? What were some of those things that factored in um, to sort of making that choice? Yeah, I I always thought I wanted to stay close to home, so I kind of looked more Midwest stuff, mm-hmm. um, Dakotas. Iowa stuff kind of around here um, mm-hmm. and that's part of the reason why I was really drawn to St. Thomas is because it's so close to home so yeah yeah Ellie Ellie how did you escape UNO how did they let you out of their grips um I knew starting my recruiting process that I wanted to leave and so yeah um, 
I guess Creighton um, and UNO were never really on my radar. Um, right. I mean, they are like phenomenal schools, but I did want to leave. Um, so I'm right. really glad St. Thomas worked out. And yeah, similar to Soph, definitely Midwest, close enough where I can drive home, but not too far where it's a plane right away. Yeah. When you get when you guys were first sort of in that group, like you'd committed, maybe you hear about each other, maybe you hear about a few of the others. I don't know at what point in the process did you know how big of a group you all were? Like the group chat of that first recruiting class is like, what is it, 12, 13, 15? Like it's huge. You have a huge, huge, huge group. So when that first started to get together, like what were the vibes? I mean, that's a crowded group chat for sure. Yeah, I think you kind of see all the Instagram posts come up and you're like, oh my gosh, they're still coming. And then it's like, it's like 12 have gone by and then you're like, this is crazy. But I think we met for the first time, all of us at the camp right before we came our freshman year. And that was, that was interesting because it's just like so many new people at once, but I don't know about you, but like, I kind of had heard of some of the people, like I'd heard of Cam and I'd heard of some other Minnesota players, um, but it was fun to get to know like the out-of-staters as well. Yeah, my yeah. moment was kind of that camp and just realizing that we had a lot in our class. But, I mean, we needed that many people for the first year of D1. Yeah, it's – I mean, yeah, it's been the – I'm going to talk to um, Sophia England. I'm going to talk to – we're going to go with, with Lundy for her because there's already a soap on lock right now. There's seniority, you know. Yeah. When, we talk to, when we talk to Lundy, I'm going to joke with her, like – this is the first what we would dub like a normal recruiting class uh, where it's not just like the monster dozen plus uh, players. So it is kind of funny. You all had that specific era. Um, let's move a little bit to the field. So you, you two, um, you know, were both big time minutes eaters last year. I think it sticks out when you have a team like Sheila's that likes to sub so much, like the, the people who end up at the top of the minutes chart, like it shows the level of consistency you must've been bringing. Cause Otherwise, you'd get subbed out. There's a lot of subbing in, in Sheila's system. And so uh, you two both show a lot of composure on the ball, a lot of technical ability. You know, Ellie, you probably could hold, but you can be sort of that box-to-box eight. You know, so if you're sort of like a classic attacking midfielder, what you both have uh, definitely in common, other than just a good touch overall, is you both can rip from distance. I've seen it. I've seen it in the exhibitions. I've seen it in some training. And I know last year Cam got some shine for hitting like a couple 40 yarders getting crazy. So I guess my question is, what are the wagers here? Like, are we going to, is there some, is there a contest? Is there one upsmanship? Like who's going to hit the first banger? Is someone going to open up on Thursday and bring the heat? Yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of players on our team that can hit those bangers, but I, I, I definitely need to shoot a little bit more, but if I figure that out, then I could probably hit, hit a banger one of these days. Yeah, I think anyone yeah. in our midfield could really shoot from distance. We have a lot of power, a lot of leg in midfield. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, and I think the for those who have watched the exhibitions, you know, you had one on the road, you had one at home. Um, the purple white scrimmage where you played each other was actually really interesting because uh, I think what happened, if I'm reading this correctly, I think what happened was Sheila had, you know, each side play one of the sort of formations that's in the mix and then had you switch, you know, for the second half. And it's funny for you two in particular um, in that box midfield, you know, there can, there's usually you means you're adding in a holder, you know, so then you're the sort of two, two, two I've, I've phrased it as before versus in the four, three, three, it's kind of simple. It's like, okay, throw you two next to cam midfield done, you know, other than the rotation and the subs, like, throw you two there and it just works in that box look I'm curious for both of you you know Ellie do you feel sort of more comfortable in more of that pure holding role or do you like to be a level up because then you can do more box to box what's your level of what's your sort of preference of sort of how you like to play out there in terms of more of that defensive uh, physical presence versus show off that touch uh, and get downfield yeah I mean anywhere Sheila wants me I'm there I can definitely play that attacking or mid or holding so Wherever she decides, I have faith in her. Yeah. And so if you mentioned sort of you needing to shoot more, it is it is a funny thing, too, because these games can really grind down. I mean, like Summit League games, even college games in general can sort of grind down. And there are times where you kind of just need someone to take a chance or take like five chances. (laughs) Because like if Omaha puts 10 players in the box and you're like, okay, well, what's our game plan here? 
for for you in sort of both of those systems, how do you balance that sort of, I want to be a good teammate. I want to use my passing. I want to combine because you are so good at like pivoting that point of attack. But how do you balance that of like, someone's got to rip this because we're still scoreless. Like, how do you balance those two things? Yeah, I think a lot of my play is based on what my teammates are doing around me. And there's right. definitely times where I can be a little bit more selfish. But I, I think in general, if those runs aren't where I would like them to be or if someone's out of position, then that's kind of my cue to try to do something myself. Right. Yeah, it, fe- it feels like in the games I'm remembering from last year and even some of these exhibitions, there's always times where the defenders are just giving a little too much of a cushion. Like Lis- like Lissa Mizutani makes her entire life off of that. Like they just – for some reason, no one like no one steps to her, and she rips that left footer from like forty yards in Waldorf. I'm like, what the hell? Like, that's an impossible goal. Like, it's an un. But you all have shots like that that I remember in my head of the defenders just not stepping. You know, they're just giving you the thirty yard shot, and it's like, yeah, thirty is hard, but you all have the touch. You know, so what we're saying is yes to these shots. Let's more and more of these shots, baby. Let's let's unload them, and so. Uh, Ellie, we mentioned your Omaha roots, your Omaha connections. Um, I don't know if every single St. Thomas player watched my show with Chez, but Chez was very positive about basically the entire Summit League. Um, she compared Kansas City to the set of um, Gossip Girl and Brooklyn, and she spoke very highly about Omaha, largely because of your family's hospitality, Ellie. I'm curious from you two, because you've also been on a few road trips. You've been around the Summit League now. Uh, what are some of those road trips that you that stick out to you? And what's your what's your road trip persona for both of you? What's your vibe? Are you in early homework and then, you know, full free time once you're there? Are you like sleep on the bus, cramming homework later? What's what's both of your personas and what are some trips that you like? Yeah, um, I definitely loved the Omaha Denver trip last year. That was definitely a highlight. Um, we stayed in a little boutique hotel in Omaha downtown. Um, and that was just amazing. And then, of course, I got to see my family, my dog, um, and have breakfast. And then the next, or I guess a couple days later, we went to Denver and um, the Sanchez hosted us. And that was just phenomenal, too. So that's definitely a highlight. Um, how about yourself? Yeah, I, I love all the trips where we get to go to someone's house because it's not my right. family, but just that vibe. It's just so comforting. It's it's always fun. Um, in terms of the bus, yeah, I, I'm a big procrastinator. So I'm usually like, – I think Chez told you about the, the the sock puppets on the bus. Yeah. Yeah. I was – yeah, I was, I was both confused and impressed by that. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> We've gotten creative What's- with procrastination, so – That's good. That's actually, that part at least is my vibe, the procrastination. Ellie, I'm pretty sure I saw, aren't you like a 4.0 person? I think I've seen this, right? This has been on the graphic. This is out into the world. You're, you're a do it right person, right? I'm not so much a procrastinator, but I mean, our team is so incredibly smart and we definitely have a lot of focus on our, on our academics when we're on the road. I like it. Nothing, nothing wrong with being a nerd. I, I use that term very, very positively. Some high quality nerds. Uh, basically, everyone we cover seems like a super high quality nerd. So good, good for y'all. I like it. Um, and you, you guys do have a trip that's not within sort of the Summit League regular this fall. A big West Coast swing um, through uh, Portland and the Northwest in general is. Is there some early planning on this? Do we have a Google Doc? Do we have a shared Pinterest board? Do I sound 50 years old yet with my references? What's the what's the early planning for that big Pacific uh, trip? I haven't really heard much. Yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, we don't have an itinerary yet, but I'm sure we'll do something exciting. I, yeah. We need to eat, get the get the ball rolling. We need to max this out because guess what? As as sexy as a trip to Oral Roberts is, you know, I think <laughs> I think going to the Pacific Northwest will be at least a little bit more interesting than you know crushing it in uh the the beautiful cities of the upper midwest so take take advantage take advantage for sure um and last thing i'll mention too i think you know sheila mentioned this early on just the depth of the squad is really sort of evident this year i think for me you know going to some training sessions watching the exhibitions 
that super evident to me. I mean, I think even in the midfield, the number of players I could list who look like they're at least rotation quality is like, it's, it's a pretty deep crew. I mean, like, you know, Lexi Huber playing can play some attacking mid, uh, you know, Lundy who will have on here can play there. You got, you know, you got CJ, you got Molly, you got all these players where Molly might be like the most go get it vibes of anyone on the team. She just like never seems to be chill. She's just always doing it hard. Um, for you guys as sort of leaders and core contributors, how do you sort of grapple with that rotation piece of like everyone does play a role? We want folks to get minutes, but it's just the fact of the matter that like not everyone will have the same role. But how do you sort of grapple with that as leaders in terms of trying to create a good vibe, know, knowing that we're all here to support each other? But ultimately, those challenges do exist. I mean, college soccer is pretty tough. Yeah, I think it's great for the team, too, because just in practices, the level just gets so much higher. Um, it motivates everybody just to work a little bit harder. And I think it's, I think as uh, upperclassmen now on the team, the more we can just connect with each one of those players on the field and off the field. So like we're ready for whatever comes during a game, whoever's on there, we know that everyone can connect with each other. So that's kind of what we're working for during practice. Yeah, Sheila definitely makes it a big point to put everywhere, put everybody in every position. And so I think it's really valuable that we all know, like, how to play with each other when we do get tossed in the situations that aren't like quote unquote normal for us. Yeah. Nice. I love it. Well, and the, the rotation is going to be super fun to track. I think you all have a lot of contributors that can sort of live in those spaces. I think we've, we've at length mentioned that there's a couple of formations in place. So we'll also see when we see what there's going to be plenty of variety for us as followers of the squad reminded folks St. Thomas kicks off four o'clock on Thursday against UNI, a, a regular rival, a regular opponent for St. Thomas. I think it'll be a really fun opener for you guys. Should be a chance to sort of maybe flex a little bit, maybe be the big sisters from up north. We'll see. Um, thanks. Thanks so much, Ellie and Soph. And uh, I don't know where in the corridors of the world. Uh, oh, there we go. Lundy and Row. Let's, uh, let's do it up. Live, live in Lundy. Okay. Thank you so much. Let's make let's make sure. Do I have the names right? I think I do, right? Uh, I think they might need to be switched around. <laughs> sure. Oh well, that's true. Well, that's that's just the fun of it. That's just the fun. Oh, okay. of it. All right. All right. Let's do it. We don't want anyone to be confused about who the big tall keeper is and who the freshman. <laughs> is. All right. So so we have freshman Sophia England. We're gonna we're gonna go with Lundy because of course uh so Soph Caballero already claimed uh Soph on her way in. So apologies mm. to your That's parents. Right. Their first their first name they gave you is never gonna be used. That's a real <laughs> real sad one. And then yeah. Olivia Rowe, a second live in the keeper group. I mean <laughs> come on you guys this is this team is absurd. But what, welcome in, welcome in. So, Liv, you let's let's start with you. Uh, you started your career down in Oklahoma. I think there was at least one injury recovery between then and now as well. I think you came in in the spring, if I have that right. You're you're a yeah. Minnesota kid from from up Highway 10 um, in Ramsey. Uh, did you? And I'm curious. Did you already have your eye on St. Thomas when you hit the portal, or was it a thing where you went in sort of wide open? Um, in terms of who reached out and what your options were? Um, you know, I, I do think I definitely did have my eye on St. Thomas and they were in the area and they have a good program. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was definitely interested in them. Yeah. So when you went in, were you sort of expecting like, okay, I have certain number of teams maybe that I am curious about. And then did you have your eye open for, Hey, if someone messages me, I'll at least like, listen, I mean, you don't, the thing about the portal is there's a lot of people who complain about it, a lot of people who bitch about it. And to, to me, I think it's just a nice tool for players when they need it, like having the option, like having the possibility to get to a situation that works for you. Were you at least open to the idea of like, if some crazy situation comes across, I'm at least like, let's see who's there. I mean, it was definitely a chaotic experience, lots of things going on, but I do think I definitely had my eye like on St. Thomas more than anyone else and I think I kind of knew from the start that I was I was more interested in going here than anywhere else basically yeah. 
what's and what's that conversation like because i think you know we've we've talked to sheila before maybe even on a on a show or at least i've talked to her and i know she is not uh portal hunting to the degree that a lot of other d1 coaches are you know she's not going out and and tracking it day in day out minute in minute out so I know um, she maybe is not, you know, throwing stuff around in the portal as much as other coaches, but when you actually communicate with her or the other members of the staff, what was that sort of early sales pitch about like, here's what we are, here's what you could be here. Um, You know, in all honesty, I don't really quite remember. It was a while ago. (laughs) If I'm being honest, I don't entirely remember, but um, I just know that we, we got in contact and basically I, I, I just liked what I saw and I decided to go here. That's great. I like that's, <laughs> that's the type of honesty and integrity we like live. We like, we like that. I like it. And uh, L- Lundy, you're from, you know, all the way over in Wisconsin. So coming super big journey from a uh, whitefish to St. Paul. Um, when did St. Thomas first get on your radar and what were those conversations like? Um, okay. Yeah. We have to go back in time here. <laughs> Um, I think this was uh, middle of my junior year. Actually, it might have been first semester of my junior year. Mm-hmm. Um, it was actually not an ID camp or um, like a showcase. Actually, I think it was like a smaller showcase, like a local one in Wisconsin. Right. Um, very unexpected. I didn't know what schools uh, were going to be at the showcase. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think she reached out through one of my coaches first, maybe. Um, but yeah, so we got in contact, I think first semester of my junior year, and then I had my unofficial visit in February. So my second semester, and then I committed like, a month or two after that. So. Nice. I like it. Well, you are part of what I have sort of referred to the first sort of normal recruiting class in the D1 yeah. era for St. Thomas, the, the sophomores and juniors are like 12, 13, 15 yeah. like monster classes. You only have like a dozen, a half dozen or so, which is a very yeah. standard normal size. Um, and already in camp and in the exhibitions, I think we've seen, you know, you and Abby Hoiska have a lot of good attacking energy. We've seen Greenthal, Jorgensen, Qual, like all these players who have good defensive chops. I mean, it's a really sort of uh, good group. For you, you know, how much do you feel like you've been able to settle in and feel more comfortable from sort of day one until now? It's it's only been two weeks, but it's crazy because it feels like forever ago I was at that first day of training. And yeah, I'm curious it, for you, does it feel that far long ago too? It really does. Um, it definitely took some time and it still is taking time to get used to, especially the speed of play. Um, you know, I think coming from just finishing my high school season, having like a month and then starting college soccer is a lot different than most uh, people, at least in this area, who right. have been on summer teams or, you know, right. so it's a huge shock, you know, to go from high school soccer, which, you know, compared to D1 college soccer is very, very different. Um, so that was kind of just a huge step um, in that. Mm-hmm. But I think in the few, in the next coming weeks, I think we'll, we, mm-hmm. we've had so much time to kind of settle in. We've gotten used to the team. I love like the girls on the team. They're super nice, like super helpful. When you make mistakes, they're not on you. Like they know right. we're, you know, we're new to the speed of play. And so mm-hmm. everybody's really understanding. So I'm really comfortable and I'm getting a lot more comfortable just getting on the field, like on and off the field. Yeah. I think maybe it was that first day or the second day I, li- I was watching training and I literally texted someone. I'm like, holy shit like this player can ball, but none of you have numbers, <laughs> none of you have numbers or names. And yeah. so I'm like from, from 200 feet away, trying to like look up who is who, or I'm asking Sheila, I'm like, who's that? Who's this one over? There's no pictures. <laughs> there's no numbers. And your, your game is sort of what I would describe as like sort of obvious, like you're, you're an on the ball, like quick burst attacker. So it really jumped like your game jumps. And so it like comes off the page, but I think what's really been impressive and what I've seen from you early on is like that exhibition, I think against Viterbo was a really good example of like, I see you get in. It's like, okay, early minutes. There's a little bit of jumpiness. Like I'm a little, whatever, even from the your first minute to your last, it seemed like the progression was so much like you looked comfortable. You looked ready to go. Or yeah. even the the, pur- the purple white scrimmage is actually a really good example. You had to go up against Lissa. You yeah. were playing like on the, on the wing. You go up against Lissa, 
And the first time she just uses her range, uses her length and just like taps it out, shuts you down. And then by the end of that game, the second, the next time you went up against her, you cooked her, like you had a quick burst and you got by her. And I think that's the sort of stuff that sticks out where like that kind of progression, has it felt to you like that kind of comfort and growth is happening when it's happening? Or is it only me looking from bird's eye view, seeing that type of stuff? No, I think you're right. I think it takes uh, a while to just kind of get used to it. I mean, I still kind of feel like that in practice, you know, it's not like you just walk out on the field and feel comfortable. I mean, sometimes you have like some highs and lows. Um, I think by the end of that scrimmage, I was feeling pretty comfortable. Um, But then it's a new setting every time. Like we came back, had practice today and it's, it just fluctuates, you know, you go back to being a little bit, like you make a few mistakes, you lose your confidence a little bit. It's kind of all just about the confidence that you have in that given time. Sometimes you have a lot of it and it really, and you can see that and you take people on and you make mistakes and you get over it. And sometimes you can get in your head a little bit. Um, but I think in the turbo and by the end of that scrimmage, I, I was feeling mm-hmm. a lot more comfortable and confident. And, and speaking of, uh, getting in your head and getting over it, live back in the, back in the net, being a keeper is very glamorous, you know, just any mistake can cost you the game, really, really low key stuff. And I think in the, in the summit league and even in college games in general, games really can kind of grind down to like a zero, zero or a one, zero vibe where, it's like in a, that doesn't mean there's not chances happening. And in a sense, those tight games, there's even more pressure on the keeper because it's like, holy shit, like no one is scoring. If I mess up, this is the game. How many, you know, are you, are you ready to live through those glamorous, glamorous zero, zero, one, zero games in Omaha? Are you ready for the glitz and the glamour of those grinded out games? I would say glitz and glamour, but I mean, I think, (laughs) I think I'm ready. And I think, yeah, this is what we've all been preparing for. So I would say yeah. that, yeah, I'm as ready as anyone else on the team is to get through those tough games. Mm-hmm. Well, when you, cause when you go through part, part of what I'm curious about is like when you're, when you're growing up, you're playing for club, you're playing in high school. Like, I feel like you see maybe, a, maybe there's a little more back and forth, a little more scoring versus college really can kind of turn into like a, team that scores first just defends and like holds on for the result like it's such a grind is it you know when you've been a keeper in the past are you sort of used to more of a tons of chances tons of saves tons of activity or are there times where you do have to sort of grind down to just like keeping yourself focused because you're not actually getting that much activity to sort of keep you locked in um well you know I think in like high school there were like a lot of chances like just a lot of action overall but um, I think during club, it was a little bit more like you would see like zero, zero games, zero, one, you know, right. one, one, where it's more like, yeah, just like a lot of pressure in like those like mm-hmm. small moments. And you usually don't get a lot of chances. But yeah, right. I think it varies. And, what, and what's it been like for you getting used to sort of the center back crew and the backline crew for this squad? I think um, if you made me guess, I think I could probably guess who that you know starting back four would be we could probably predict who you know the next center back into rotation would be we'll we'll leave some mystery I guess to that but for you getting used to playing with you know Ekroth, Kepke, uh, Cubes like all the folks in the middle and then the Mizutanis, the Brantners, whoever's that outside back what's that sort of um, uh, process been like where I know you got those spring reps as well but what's what's the process been like in terms of getting used to sort of your defensive unit? Um, well, I think a big part of it is like, we've been like, like having, like talking to each other, like outside of like practice and off the field, which is like a huge part in like communication, obviously, like you need to get to know them off the field too. And that's a huge part of like how you play with each other is like your chemistry, Mm -hmm. your team chemistry. And I think that we've been doing a good job of like getting to know people and everyone just like getting to know everyone. And I think that really helps like when you are playing with a new team is just, you know, talking to people, getting outside of your comfort zone and yeah, making good relationships with your team. Yeah. It's yeah. I'm sure it helps to like actually trust and like someone Mm -hmm. off the field so that when they scream at you in the middle of a stressful (laughs) game, you don't like just immediately turn and swear at them. Definitely. I'm sure it helps. That's nice. And, uh, and, Lundy, last thing we're going to, I sort of always half jokingly mentioned that like the soccer roster websites only have like four pieces of information. And usually one of them is the player's major and their academic interest. So Lundy for you, 
at least the website tells us you're interested in, you know, a business major and a minor in Spanish. So tell the world, what are these career goals? Like spill the beans, tell us what's up. Um, well, I've always been interested in business and I have a uh, family uh, that's Hispanic. So I speak pretty, pretty decent Spanish, <laughs> but I know it and it really interests me and I know I could go, um, it could help me find a career. Um, but yeah, but business marketing, it's something that I think is just growing a lot, um, especially now. Um, so I think there's just a lot of opportunity with it. And I think it's just something that I would really enjoy. And I think I'm pretty, I would be pretty good at. Um, also, I know the business school here is really good. Um, so yeah, just a lot of opportunity through it. Um, but yeah, so I'm starting at uh, business marketing because I think I'll like it the most. Um, but then again, uh, so many of the freshman classes in the business school are so similar that it's so easy to kind of tweak your major a little bit if you want to. So, yeah, I was going to ask, is there, are there sort of majors and programs like that where it's like half the team is doing the same thing or there, is it more like clusters here and there of a handful across the board? How many is, is your entire freshman business class going to be you and other women soccer players? No, actually. Um, so I think me and then I think two other freshmen are going to be majoring in business, but then I think it's split. There's, we've got a psych major, Emily's doing um, psychology, um, Cedar Jordanson, she's doing nursing, or she wants to. Um, we've got, yeah. I think Carly wants to do, I think she's majoring in chemistry. So we've got a lot of different paths going on. So it's actually, it's split. It's pretty split. Full, full spread, I think, and Liv, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I think I'm confident that you are the first player that I've covered and interviewed where the, the major listed is geology. So this is, this is great. This is day one, let's do it. It's one, I guess, is that accurate? And two, what's, what's the vibe? What's the interest? Um, yes, that is correct. That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess I just have always kind of had an interest in like, I don't know, just like science and like the natural world. And I would really like to be able to explore a career in that. I'm not sure exactly where that would lead me, but I do think that having a major in geology is the first like right step. And hopefully I can use the resources that we have and, you know, explore what options that would open up. Yeah, that's, that's, I love it. I love it. This is a different, all the different types of nerdiness you all are bringing on here for it. I have, I have, I have a buddy who is a, a PG, a professional geologist. So I, I'm all about it. Get, get rock nerdy, Liv, get rock nerdy. Oh, no, it was not. I like it. Yeah. Well, th thanks so much, so Sophia England, Olivia Rowe. Reminder for folks, St. Thomas kicks off their 2023 regular season Thursday at the St. Thomas Southfield against University of uh, Northern Iowa, which is a, a familiar foe for the Tomcats. So the vets have definitely faced off against them before. They play on Sunday against Niagara. Niagara's doing the double. They're playing the Gophers on Thursday, and or St. Thomas on Saturday. Sorry, Saturday. Mm -hmm. So uh, head up to those games. Otherwise, follow Equal Time for coverage. Uh, uh, Liv and Lundy, thanks so much for being here. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you.